The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. My name is John Boccasino here in the air chair, being joined, of course, as I am each and every week by Jamie D'Amico. And this week, Jamie, we, instead of putting Bills fans through the misery of reliving the agony that was the 34-31 setback to the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football, we decided we'd spare you that suffering and instead do a state of the Buffalo Bills as they head into their bye week. So let's start there, Jamie. The Bills are 4-2. and two comfortably in first place in the AFC East, in fourth place in the AFC Conference. How do you feel about this Bills team? I feel pretty much the same way I felt even before the season. I have found myself feeling rather zen about all of the games because the Bills are a good team. They're going to win the division. They're going to make the playoffs. It's really just a matter of where are they going to be seated. And with them having the easiest schedule in the AFC going forward, I'm very comfortable going into the bye week. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills have, I believe, the easiest or no, they have the easiest strength of schedule down the stretch of any of the AFC teams, which will definitely help Buffalo as they're trying to track down that number one seed in the AFC. Look, it's disheartening that Buffalo lost to the Titans on third on Monday Night Football, thirty-four to thirty-one, mostly because it's now their second loss in conference play, but. If you had told me before the season started that Buffalo was going to lose to the Tennessee Titans, I would not have been surprised just because that team seems to be Buffalo's kryptonite. And I think a lot of issues popped up on Monday night that Sean McDermott and the Bills are going to focus on coming into their bye week. I found it very interesting, Jamie, that for the second year in a row, the Bills have to head into their bye coming off of a demoralizing loss. And last year, it was the Hale-Murray touchdown pass from Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins that gave the uh, Cardinals the win in the desert over Buffalo. This year, the Bills have to stew for an extra week over the loss to the Titans. Take solace in this, Bills fans. When Buffalo lost last year in the, in the, uh, in the game to the Cardinals and headed into their bye week, they did not lose again until the AFC Championship. Maybe there's something to be said for a humbling loss like Buffalo had in Tennessee. 
Oh, I think so. And I think that there's certainly things that they have to clean up. The defense didn't show up at all. Um, and they need to figure out why that is. And we're talking about a Tennessee team that was ravaged with injuries, especially during the game. And the Bills never seemed to be able to take advantage of that. But they will get back to the drawing board. And, you know, there are some concerns that I have with the team, but it will be the type of thing where I think they're probably going to try to work some of those things. Now, out. before we get to some of those concerns, I do want to mention, we talked about strength of schedule. I've got it up here right now. The Kansas City Chiefs have the hardest remaining strength of schedule of any AFC team, second most difficult in the entire National Football League, followed closely by the Cleveland Browns. At the bottom of the spectrum, the Buffalo Bills have the easiest remaining strength of schedule. Their final 11 games, the opponents have a winning percentage of 37.1%, which is narrowly better. Yeah, 37. Now, granted, that's factoring in some pretty bad teams. You know, we get the Jets uh, in there twice, the Dolphins one more time. Um, But there's some very winnable games. Interesting to note, the Tennessee Titans have the second easiest schedule. So that could come into factor when it comes to Buffalo chasing down the Titans and trying to get that all-important home field advantage throughout the AFC. The Ravens are smack in the middle of the uh, upper crust of this strength of schedule. They are fifth most difficult in the AFC and eighth overall in the NFL for their strength of schedule. So Buffalo seems to have its work in, in its favor when it comes to the teams on the schedule, who they have to play. But there were some glaring issues that really popped up, I thought, on Monday Night Football. And I want to start, Jamie, with as much as you want to lament the fact that Buffalo, Derrick Henry did what Derrick Henry does, and that he had that long 76-yard touchdown run that could or could not have been called back on a holding penalty. The Bills give them credit. The front four did a good job of limiting Henry beyond that one run. He was barely over three yards a carry the rest of the night. My issue comes down to The offensive line and defensive line, that's the place I want to start. I feel like Buffalo has glaring needs on both sides of the line, and the defensive line might be more uh, disturbing because we've known all along the offensive line is a question mark, but I felt like a fake sense of confidence uh, with this defensive line, given the fact that they really, they didn't get to Ryan Tannehill. They didn't get any sacks on the Tennessee quarterback. I don't know. Talk me off the ledge, or do you feel the same way about that defensive line? I really can't talk you off the ledge because of the eight players they put on the active roster. There's only three of them that ever seem to consistently show up. And that's Jerry Hughes, Star Lutulele, and Gregory Russo. Hughes is still getting pressure. I think Star is leading the team in quarterback pressures, but nobody else is really doing it. And you saw, even with a a backup left tackle in the game, they weren't getting to Tannehill. So that line is not where it needs to be. And that's that's a big concern going forward because this defense is not designed to generate pressure with numbers. Yes, they did it against Miami, but once you start sending more pass rushers, that's going to affect what they do on the back end, which is a very good job of disguising their zone coverage. This team is not built for man-to-man, and you have to play man-to-man in order to send blitzers. Well, I can't talk you off the ledge, my man. It could be another issue this year. And I feel like one of the reasons I had this sense of security and confidence was 
the power in numbers. I mean, all, all all season long, we've heard the Bills being lauded for their depth, where they can roll out anybody from you know Jerry and uh, and Ed Oliver and Star Latulale to F. A. Obata and Harrison Phillips and A. J. Epinesa and Greg Rousseau and Carlos Boogie Basham Jr. and and Justin Zimmer. I mean, the Bills have a ton of bodies. I just I don't know if it's finding the right combination or not. Um, you know, the, for, for the Titans game, you know, the Bills activated F.A. Obata and Harrison Phillips to try to contain the Titans' run game. And again, it worked outside of that one long run. But then you look at what they sacrificed, getting pressure on the quarterback. And you're so right, the Bills, we do not want Leslie Frazier to have to dial up a defense that's bringing the backers or members of the secondary in to blitz and pressure the quarterback. That leaves vulnerabilities in the back of the defense. And this Bills defense is custom made to succeed when the front four is winning their battles and getting after the quarterback. Now, Ed Oliver did have a very solid game, I thought, um, against the Titans. He had three big hurries. He had a holding penalty against him um, that the offensive lineman committed against him because of the penetration he got in the backfield. And Jerry Hughes is is vastly underrated, even though the sack numbers aren't there to match. He's constantly getting in the backfield as an effective pass rusher. I wonder if Brandon Bean is going to work some of his magic and try to work out a a trade uh, with one of the teams in the league by the November 2nd deadline to add to this unit because they have both spare parts and there's still a need despite all the bodies they have. They will definitely have to cough up some real draft capital to be able to do that because the only way they're going to be able to bring in an impact pass rusher is going to be to send out salary. I'm looking at you, Vernon Butler. Uh, So what happens when you send out salary? You end up paying even more. So are the bills going to end up in a position where they're overpaying? It might be worth it. If you can find one player that's going to make a difference on the for the pass rush for the rest of the season, you take that right now because this team is in a position to compete for a Super Bowl right now. So fix what you've got. You know, you you see it all the time in the baseball trade deadline, like the Dodgers this past year, trading for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, two great players, an absolute Hall of Famer uh, on one hand, and you've got Trey Turner who's one of the best shortstops, if not the best shortstop in in Major League Baseball. Well, they had to give up a lot in order to get those guys. Are the Bills willing to do that? Draft capital is worth more in the NFL than it is in other sports. So mm, you have to balance the immediate needs with with future building, but I think you go for it. Yeah, I agree. I feel like everything is in place, and you've seen the solid productivity of the Bills are getting off of their linebackers. Um, so I feel like you could alleviate so much pressure on this defense by just solving the numbers game of who do you plug and play on the defensive line to get the productivity because you need to get after the quarterback more than the Buffalo Bills have of late. That is by far my number one concern with this team moving forward. I have other concerns as well, but Jamie, the floor is now yours. What is your top concern or priority about this team coming out of the bye week? Injuries, namely the one to Matt Milano. Matt Milano's hamstring definitely was a factor in the game against the Titans. He just didn't look like himself. Pro Football Focus had him rated the number one linebacker by their scoring in the NFL. 
he did not look like the best linebacker in the NFL as he had for the first few weeks of the season. Hamstrings can nag, and that is something that could stick with him all year, and they need him. They absolutely need the guy who has played like their best player to get back to the form where he was previously. Now, I'm also going to expand that and talk about injuries to the defense as a whole, because the only place where it seems like they can really sustain that and have the depth is on the defensive line. They've got a lot of bodies there. You get an injured corner, starting cornerback, oh God, now the Bills are diving into their practice squad in order to find starters in Dane Jackson and Rashad Wild Goose. Those are not guys that I want lining up on the opposing team starters. They need depth there. And we knew this before the season began. Well, that's one of those things where I think the Bills, if I almost feel like they're more likely to deal away some of the defensive line depth than add another defensive end or defensive tackle to this mix. And I think they're more likely to prioritize cornerback, specifically looking at you, Kyle Fuller of the Denver Broncos, as a guy who is familiar with Buffalo's scheme, I think could step in quite nicely. Now, I do want to give credit to what Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have done with their defense. They have maximized their contributions from everybody on the secondary, and they're getting the most out of them that they can. However, it's clear that in the passing nature of the NFL, Buffalo needs more help on the secondary, and Levi Wallace is just going to get pushed around by the bigger, more physical wide receivers. So I expect Brandon Bean to work those phones, to work his magic beans, and go out there and find a way to trade for a Kyle Fuller, for somebody that can really shore up the cornerbacks and give them more depth because, God, if anything happens to Trey White, I mean, that defense becomes a scary liability in the back as great as Hyde and Poyer are. If your corners are Cam Lewis, uh, Saran Neal, Rashad Wild Goose, or Dane Jackson, that's a, a matchup nightmare for Buffalo in the secondary. Yeah, you can't play zone 100% of the time. And If you're going to have corners out on the field that are unable to cover for a long period of time, then you need to do what Tennessee did to Buffalo this past week. Tennessee was playing with a skeleton crew at corner, but they made up for it by blitzing and making Josh Allen throw the ball quickly, and that'll be something that the Bills will need to do, even though that's not really how they're designed on defense. It'll be interesting. Let's just pray for Trey staying healthy. Kyle Fuller and Bryce Callahan and the Broncos are two of the candidates who could be on the market for Buffalo if they're looking to get after a cornerback to shore up some of the depth up there. And again, it's going to cost you some draft capital, but the Bills have a win-now window where they need to go after this Super Bowl championship. And whatever it takes to make it happen, Brandon Bean will make it happen. Another concern, Jamie, I'm going to piggyback off of yours with the injuries, and it's to Dawson Knox with a broken hand, the broken bone in his hand. He was coming along so beautifully as a tight end. I mean, he throws a two-point conversion pass with that broken boat in his hand to Josh Allen. He credits his shot put days as a high school track star, which I think is phenomenal with uh, helping to convert that. But that offense takes a major blow. Now, you can offset the Dawson Knox injury if they, they keep getting contributions from Cole Beasley the way he did on Monday Night Football. But I just feel like it takes away another major weapon from Josh Allen not having his tight end. And from what they're saying, it's supposed to be a couple a week injury, but 
I'm really concerned about a tight end coming into his own, now having to deal with a broken bone in his hand. That seems like it's a lot to overcome. That does, doesn't it? Especially when you consider that he had an issue being a reliable pass catcher. And now you add pain and discomfort and possibly a muscle overcompensation to that hand. Well, you're not going to be 100% for a while. Yeah, a few weeks to come back, they say. But let's be realistic about this. You're not going... Bones take about six weeks to fully recover. You, you could end up re-aggravating it rather easily. It just comes at a terrible time for him because he was really looking good, I, I would say. Um, even though he was maxing out at about four receptions per game, they don't need him to catch 10, 12 passes. They they have enough quality receivers to spread the ball around. It just makes me feel bad for Dawson. It, it really does. But do you consider sending a seventh rounder to Jacksonville for Jake Hollister? The guy that the Bills once had and decided to to let go of? I would almost more be persuaded to go after... I believe he played at Ole Miss. Evan Engram, uh, the New York Giants, They the football Giants are not going anywhere this year. I think Engram could be had for a seventh rounder, and I would almost make that deal in a heartbeat because I don't want to rely on Tommy Sweeney coming off of myocarditis and his battle with COVID-19 fallout to be our sole tight end other than the, the, the jack-of-all-trades Reggie Gilliam. I think Engram might be a really nice addition to shore up the uh, – the tight end position because you just cannot go into the stretch run with just Tommy Sweeney. Mm, yeah, you're right. I just looked it up and Evan Engram has a cap hit this year of six million. However, we're about halfway through and bonus money will not count against uh, the Buffalo Bills if they trade for him. He has an average annual salary of two point, just under two point seven million. That's something that the Bills might be able to pull off. Yeah, it all depends on what they view as their top priorities and areas of need. And I want to switch gears, but keep it on the offense, the O-line. As a whole, the unit has just not done very well when it comes to physical defenses. And I'm looking at the Steelers and I'm looking at the Titans as, as benchmarks and barometers for where Buffalo's offensive line came up short. What would you do if you're Brandon Bean to solve the, the offensive line, especially knowing that they have struggled so badly in their run blocking. The Bills, if they have a lead, they're almost more likely to try to run Josh Allen on design draws and sweeps than say we're going to pound the ball like a normal offense would behind their offensive line. What I am going to do with the Bills offensive line is I'm going to look for John Feliciano's replacement. But other than that, I'm keeping it as is. Spencer Brown is a rookie. He was very raw coming in. They they knew that putting a rookie in was going to be difficult, and they made the decision that they needed to take their lumps because Cody Ford was not cutting it. I think as Brown gets more experience and uh, Williams gets more experience playing at guard, I think that you're going to see the unit improve over the course of the season, especially on the right-hand side. I think we know, however, what what John Feliciano is, and that is a slightly below average player. And the yeah, the blocking just isn't where on the run blocking specifically just isn't where it needs to be. And part of that is because of how they designed the personnel, which are these guys are pass blockers. They're not run blockers. They need some guys that can run block as well. 
You know who has been a pleasant surprise to kind of give a little bit of optimism here on the offensive line? I am very thoroughly pleased with Mitch Morse and how he has rebounded. You know, I think he a lot of fans were clamoring for the team to cut him or trade him or free up that salary space. He is proving to be worth his contract and then some, given, again, the inconsistencies on the offensive line. Oh, he's he's been their best lineman, undoubtedly. Now, yeah, he's not a big mauler. He's not going to you know be the prototypical road grading run blocker, but that's not necessarily what they ask him to do. He's an excellent pass blocker, and you know he's really good at pulling and lead blocking. Which, like I said, they're they're not doing an awful lot of that right now, but he's good at that. And if they have him do that, you're going to see him play even better. I'm glad you brought that up because. For all the negative press that he got, and even we were talking about how, yeah, it might be time to move on. You don't know what's going to happen with the concussions. He's been a delight. He really has. He has been a a very – he's returning to the Pro Bowl form that Buffalo – that made the Bills sign him to the the second richest contract for a starting center in the league when they brought him over from Kansas City. And without him, this unit would really be – in shambles. I mean, he is taking on that Eric Wood anchor on the offensive line, something that the Bills desperately need because Josh Allen is playing at a really high level. But if the offensive line takes a step backwards, that's going to put more of that hero ball mentality and pressure on Josh. And I just don't want to see Josh reverting back to his old form and his old uh, his old errors, which I think we saw a bit of on the last two drives against the Titans. And I said I wasn't going to talk about the game too much, but I, I do want to talk about the red zone troubles that have continued. That's, an, that's probably my third concern. We've bounced around here a lot. There's a lot of areas of concern for a team that still is considered the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. Jamie, the Bills went two of five in the red zone against the Tennessee Titans on converting touchdowns. The rest of those came to field goals. They get three field goals. They get two touchdowns. The Bills are not doing it. They're scoring touchdowns at a far fewer clip. Uh, Last year, they were 62% of their red zone drives ended in touchdowns. This year, it is far less. What can the Bills do to shore up and get better at converting in the red zone? Well, okay, this to me speaks to a slightly larger problem. I believe that Josh Allen is playing like a guy who's feeling pressure. Last year, you know, nobody expected him to be all that good. You know, everybody was talking about him being a flop and, you know... He was playing with house money. This year, he's coming in, and the expectations are another MVP-type campaign. He set the market with a a huge contract. To me, it looks like Josh Allen is pressing. And when he's pressing, he's not making great decisions. He's trying too hard. And you saw that in this past game when there were attempts to basically shut the game down. Uh, at the second to last drive that the Bills had when he kept throwing long passes to guys that were covered. Um, there were times earlier in the game he missed receivers that were open. To me, the Bills would get better in the red zone if Josh Allen were playing a little bit more loose. And if if he's feeling a little bit more loose, that kind of that that kind of trickles down to everybody else. And these receivers have no problem getting open. That That is just n- never an issue for, for this team. But Josh has to be willing to go through his reads, do his checkdowns, and 
really, I, I've said this before, and it's a terrible cliche, but you don't go broke by taking a profit. So don't go for it all. Move the ball methodically. And then I think that you're going to see you're going to see Josh Allen play better, but also that's going to open up the run a little bit. And if the Bills can balance the run and the pass, those uh, red zone issues are going to take care of themselves. Here's a hot take for you, Jamie. I feel like the Bills did not lose this game on the third down run uh, towards the goal line or on the fourth down slip by Josh where Dion got pushed off his uh, his man at the left tackle spot. You're right. They lost it on that next-to-last drive when he was trying to force it to Gabe Davis. He's trying to force it to Emmanuel Sanders, and he then throws a pass to Jake Kumaro, who is clearly covered on the near sideline. They had Cole Beasley wandering free at least once on one of those plays. They had Tommy Sweeney in the flat that could have given them five, six, seven yards. It just felt like... You're right. Josh wanted to deliver that primetime knockout punch that got Buffalo over the end and to victory. And even on the the acrobatic play, which could have been a first down towards the goal line, he had Cole Beasley wide open right in front of him, and Josh just did not see him. Um, it was a concerning uh, sign that the, the hero ball mentality kind of returned that we saw from the Houston Texans wild card game where it was – unpredictable Josh. I think he's going to work on that and fix that. And he's going to find his center and get back to playing like he did against the Chiefs more so than the Titans. But there's an interesting point that I want to bring up. You mentioned the pressure that Josh is playing under, how he feels like he needs to make these big plays. He's doing that while facing even less pressure than he has in the past. One of the big reasons the Bills only have a 55% conversion in the red zone of touchdowns compared to 62% last year is Josh is being blitzed less. Overall, Josh was blitzed on 36% of the plays last year. This year, it's down to 16%. In the red zone, that's decreased from 37% to 22%. What does that mean? There's less room for Josh to run in the red zone, which is one of his biggest strengths as a quarterback. So when you factor in more defenders sitting in a compact zone to study what Josh is going to do with the ball and also less opportunities to run, taking away one of his strengths that led to a strong red zone offense last year. It's no wonder the red zone offense is suffering. That is a great point. When you have more players sitting back, looking at the quarterback and covering receivers, yeah, those numbers are going to go down. Also, you know, what may be concerning is the lack of blitzing on Josh Allen. Well, last year he proved that he could overcome the blitz and make teams pay for it. But the other side of it is teams may be willing to bet that they are going to get to the quarterback with only four men rushing. Interesting. But I feel like I I need to change it up a little bit because I feel like we've been talking about what our concerns are going forward. I want to assure people that we are not pessimistic. We started the show saying, I'm not really concerned. These are just the things that could come up and get in the way over the course of time. We're doing a critique here. We're not saying the bills suck. I just want to be really clear about that. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought that up because this is a really tough position. I mean, Jamie and I, by nature, are more rose-colored glasses. You know, we're fans first and foremost. Whoa, 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 whoa. Speak for yourself. I am such a pessimist. I, I think I, I think I've influenced you a little bit these last couple of years to becoming more towards my side than the dark pessimistic side. Yeah, that's I, I, yeah, I think that's true. I, I mean, I, true. I'm way more optimistic than, than you are, but I feel like, yeah, this has been tough because we've had to put on those critical 
lens of <clears throat> what Buffalo needs to improve upon. And Jamie's right. We're not predicting the sky is falling. The Bills have everything set up to still have a great year this year. The strength of schedule is incredibly opportunistic for the team to take advantage of this. But we just felt like at the bye week, instead of celebrating that Buffalo's in first place, we've reached a point as a franchise where the Bills want and deserve more. And so it didn't feel fair to come in this week and just say how all the reasons we think the Bills are still going to be a fantastic Super Bowl contender. I wanted to keep it real with you all, and Jamie was on board too. I'm definitely on board. Okay, so just so everybody knows, John Boccasino. My man over there is the guy who is the brains behind the operation. He comes up with the topics to talk about, and I was actually enthused to talk about this. And enthused because I feel like it's something that the Bills are going to want to, you know, what what we're doing here is an exercise that the rest of the NFL is doing. They're studying game film. They're studying tape on what the Bills put forth and how you can take advantage of them. So when we say that we want to see the Bills get more pressure with their front four, when we say that the cornerback depth is a concern, when we say that the offensive line needs to get better at the run blocking, these are what the teams that the Bills are going to be competing against down the road are going to be focusing on as well. So we wanted to have that conversation, what Buffalo needs to do to get better. Yeah, please don't feel don't feel like the sky is falling. Don't feel like the Bills are going to, you know, you should be happy to be a Bills fan at this stage of the season, given what is still ahead of them and the big wins, especially, I mean, I know that they had a, a kind of a cupcake uh, part of the schedule, but beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead still is a huge victory. And I, I applaud Sean McDermott for going for the road on the win when the Bills had not shown any tendency to stop the Titans the second half of that game. You go for the win on the road. That shows to me that if you might feel like there's some concerns about this team and there's some question marks. Sean McDermott does not question this team's talent because he has full faith in his guys to go out there and win the game. And that's got to inspire so much confidence when your coach says, screw it, we're going for it, we're going to convert this here. It was 100% the right call, and I'm so glad he did that and put his faith in the players to make a play. Okay, it didn't It didn't work. The left side of the line got completely blown up. But hey, you know what? Nine out of ten times, Josh Allen is going to get a half yard. Josh Allen is just big enough that he can lean forward and get a half yard. And okay, it didn't happen. But that means that the next nine times it's going to. And maybe they get a little more creative with their play calling and do a shotgun operation or do a run, do a read option play versus the predictable, he's going to go straight up the middle uh, quarterback sneak. That was my only criticism with that play was the fact that it was, everybody could see from a mile away that Josh is going to run this and run it up the middle. I thought there was very little creativity in the play call, but it was by far the right call. He should have followed his center too, as opposed to going sideways, but. That's, that's There's it. our boy Mitch Morris clearing a path and blazing a, a trail for Josh to run behind. So hopefully, Bills fans, you're leaving this podcast feeling you know optimistic as you should, but also realistic about where this team needs to get better. Because the goal is not to beat the Titans in Nashville in Week Six. The goal is to win the whole kit and caboodle and bring home that first Super Bowl championship to Western New York. And whatever happens, we will be there with you on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Please get involved on social media with us. Tell us what are your biggest concerns, and we'll allow some optimism. What are you most excited about for this team over the rest of? 
of the season coming out of the bye week. Uh, get involved with us. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico on Twitter, and I am at John Boccasino. You can also comment on our articles on buffalorumblings.com. Jamie, thanks for bringing it today. Always appreciate your insights, buddy. Thank you, sir. And we'll be back next week getting you ready for Bills football here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. 